wait, 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 wait. This is what they were clearing cap space for? For real? No. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. And yes, yes, the Penguins did sign Kasperi Kapanen to a two-year deal that pays him an average annual value of $3.2 million. As in $3.2 million. With no space to spare, $3.2 million was committed to a grossly underachieving forward who can only do one thing, score goals, except that he can't do that either. I am not, I swear, I am not here to pile on Kapanen. No one needs me to do that. His production is already about as unpopular as you can get in Pittsburgh. And pointing out that he had 11 goals in 79 games and three of those came on one night and that he would go two months at a time without scoring, well, honestly, even that doesn't cut it. So I feel like adding on to it that he's completely infuriating to watch because of all those rushes that he makes where he pulls up at the other team's blue line or inside it, pirouettes, looks around like he's Wayne Gretzky waiting on Yari Curry to come join him on the rush. All those times he veers to the right or to the left where he should be going straight, where his raw physical abilities, his own gifts that he's got to be able to do things that other people on his team can't do, that most humans can't do, and to turn that consistently, repeatedly into nothing. Into nothing. You can just watch the puck make it his way. He'll either fumble over it or he'll collect it and fly up ice like a hockey god and then decide that his hockey godness no longer applies once he's near the top of the other team's circles and just kind of do something eh, with the puck. There's no sense to this. There's no logic to this. Certainly not at this point in time. Because if you look at the other moves that Ron Hextall's made in this offseason, all of them have been aimed at one thing, and that is supporting the final three years of Sidney Crosby's contract in Pittsburgh with the best possible chance to win. So you're going to take into that same equation a $3.2 million a year project? Come on. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I'll try. 
Okay. I always try. Whenever a move is made, even the most confounding head scratchers that you can think of, I'll try at least to put myself in the shoes of the executives who made the decision. Instead of just asking them the question, and they're going to have a ready-made answer. Uh, We believe in Cappy, good kid, tries hard, has a lot of talent, blah, blah, blah. But I try to get like into where they're really thinking, not what they're giving the media. Like, what are they saying behind the scenes about Kapanen? And here's what I can share with you. First, and this is factual. This comes from someone who is actually within the organization, within Hockey Ops. There are people in that group who can't stand Kapanen, who want nothing to do with his style of play, and who don't feel he's a fit. So I'm going to take it as a further supposition that the head coach isn't one of those. Because if Mike Sullivan felt that way about Kapanen, this contract doesn't happen. There's no way Kapanen could go through an entire winter like he just did and get this kind of contract unless the head coach saw, heard, felt something about this player that he's going to just break through, that he's right there, he's on the verge, on the cusp. And the closest I can come to seeing that point of view and respecting that point of view is if I take a look at two key things. One, and I know everyone's going to roll their eyes at this, but just deal with it. Kapanen's advanced analytics are really, really good in terms of puck possession, his defending, Uh, We might not think of him that way. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't either in the peripheral lazy sense. But the numbers are overwhelmingly in his favor. When he's on the rink, the Penguins have the puck more. Not my opinion, certainly not my excusing his production. As I mentioned earlier, he's only really, really visibly good at one thing. And he doesn't do it. Two. And again, hear this out before you bite my head off. He had no goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Rangers. And that looks really awful following an 11-goal regular season. And yet, if you paid attention to what he was doing, and I did a lot of that in that series, both live and after the fact, He was among the most dynamic forwards in that series for either team. He created some of the most uh, bold, I guess is a good word for it, bold scoring chances that the Penguins had, where he would come in off the dots or from outside the circles and just bulldoze his way, essentially, into the New York slot and create these spectacular chances for himself, and then you think to yourself, because of what you've been watching all year long, well, he's not going to score. He's not even going to get off a good shot. In fact, he might not get off a shot. He might just fall or something. And then he'd get off these outstanding shots. Come on, you remember this. Regardless of how you feel about this, we're trying to have an open dialogue here, all right? You remember this, right? And you remember Igor Shesterkin, if... You ranked Igor's top 10 saves in that round. Seven or eight of them had to have been on Kapanen. I swear. 
So if there's any benefit of the doubt to be had to keeping Kapanen, that for me at least kind of explains it away. But keeping him at this price, keeping him at this size of a contract and for two years when the team's got no space, that's never going to make sense. I'm sorry. He's going to have to pop 30. That's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to pop 30. When we come back, J1Q. Oh, and by the way, I mean 30 in one year, not spread over two. J1Q comes from LJ who asks, is it possible that the Penguins are going to play a completely different style of hockey next season with the signing of all these older players? Maybe they're expecting that Kapanen will play better with more structure and need his goal-scoring potential. Um, You know, the Penguins have not signed, how did you word this? All these older players. Jeff Petrie is a better hockey player right now than Mike Matheson. That's as simply as I can word that. Petrie makes a bigger difference at both ends of the ice than Matheson does. So if you want to look at Matheson being 28 and Petrie being, you know, five years older than that, whatever, okay, that's that's on their birth certificates. But the fact of the matter is, and you won't find a single hockey person on the planet to dispute this point, Petrie is a better hockey player right now as we are communicating than Matheson is. So beyond that, what else did the Penguins do to get all these older players? Because I'm now hearing this repeated an awful lot, and I'm not sure why. The oldest player on last year's roster was Brian Boyle. Boyle won't be coming back. I don't think that's exactly a shock to anybody's system, given the way he ended the season with the major injury. That leaves Jeff Carter as the oldest player on this team. Carter is going to be reduced to a much smaller role next season, and again, I don't think anyone would dispute that, nor would they dispute the need for that, given the hard fade that he had in the final two months of this past season. So what else are we talking about? Who else was acquired where you'd say, whoa, they're really getting old? Like, let's talk names. Let's not talk about perception. Let's talk about reality here. The top line is still going to be Jake, Sid, and Rust. Are they a year older? Yeah. Were they acquired? No. No. Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, Ricard Raquel was kept. Ricard Raquel is not old. Rust is not old. Let's say that the third line has Carter centering Brock McGinn and Kapanen. Carter's old. I already brought him up. The rest aren't. Teddy Bluger will center the fourth line in all likelihood. Teddy's not old. Teddy didn't have a great season, but he's not old. He'll probably be centering a bunch of kids, I would think. Drew O'Connor could be back there. Radim Zahorna could be back there. Ryan Poling, the kid who also came over in the Petrie trade, is quite young. So where did they get older 
up front. Yeah, me neither. Let's look at the blue line. My feeling is that one of Marcus Pedersen or Brian Dumoulin is still there to be traded. It could be two defensemen getting traded. But if Dumoulin is the one who goes, and he's the one that I would send out, and I say that very respectfully uh, in relation to his championships and all his contributions, we're just talking in an ice-cold way about roster decisions. You could have P.O. Joseph skating alongside Chris Letang. You'd still have Pedersen, but you'd put him with Petrie. You could have Ty Smith, who came from the Devils in the John Marino trade, and he could be out there with Jan Ruta. He could be out there with Mark Friedman. He could be out there with Chad Ruweedle. You see that there's still a lot of defensemen. I would make a move that would send Dumoulin out, but mostly because I haven't liked Dumoulin's decline over the past couple of years. So where where is this thing? Where is this they got older? They added Jeff Petrie, and they subtracted Mike Matheson. That's a very, very good transaction. And when we get even, I don't know, two months, three months into the coming season, I'm really going to be looking forward to hearing evaluations from you and from a lot of people about that specific trade. Because you will really, really like Jeff Petrie, and you will really, really be surprised that the Penguins have him in that exchange. But to answer your question, the actual question, and there was one, no, they're not changing their systems. There's not going to change what it is that they're doing. They're not going to become more structured because I would argue they actually can't become more structured. They're already very structured. This was one of the NHL's best defensive teams this past season. Here again, there's a narrative that's formed because they gave up a lot of goals to the Rangers that somehow they were this defensively flawed team. Well, the defensive core, as I've argued, wasn't worth paying all that money to. But when you're talking about why New York scored all those goals, they were facing an AHL goaltender. It's okay to say that, everybody. It just is. This was a minor league bus riding journeyman goaltender who was thrust into a Stanley Cup playoff series. That's not excuse making. It is fact. I appreciate the question. I honestly do. I swear. LJ. Narratives make me nuts. If anyone's going to bring narratives here, accompany them with some semblance of facts. We will do this again Monday. 